what I thought of it, and I said, well, that's really easy for me. Uh, and so I like it. That uh, it was kind of a, a recurring phrase in the in the for in the Thai forest tradition that the uh, uh, you know the Buddha was born in the forest and practiced in the forest was enlightened in the forest and he died in the forest so, so that uh, it informs. Uh, pretty much everything uh, about our about our life. So this sense of you know, the forest, nature in general. Of course, nature is not something out there or something. Uh, being in the city is nature also, in the sense of um, nature um, is just what is. Um, and I. Uh, uh, this morning with the counselors, I gave a, a, a recollection of the, um, and uh, used the, uh, the, or told people about the, the, the Thai word for, that's used as nature, is uh, um, literally would be translated as uh, born of Dhamma. And uh, so that born of what is, uh, born of the way things are. Um, so that's a, it's a great uh, uh, way of, of, of thinking about nature. And that's whatever is born of the way things are, it's just it's the way it is. Uh, and, uh, and of course, we have this opportunity to, to learn. And the... Uh, but I think there is a, 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 you know, something special about being able to um, uh, be in an environment that is is natural uh, and uh, just this, say, just sitting just now, um, just the uh, the stillness uh, is very uh, soothing. It's very settling. And uh, I think they're very nurturing. Um, but again, that stillness doesn't necessarily have to be in nature. I remember uh, Ajahn Chah, when he went to the West for the very first time. Of course, he'd been living in a, a forest monastery. He'd been... Uh, leading the community, he'd grown up in the countryside, and um, he was living. Uh, they were staying in a a, a, a center or a small um, monastic way place uh, in the in the center of London, uh, and uh, remember him coming back and saying, so wonderful. It was so quiet. <laughs> and I think it probably wasn't the experience of the other 10 million people in London. <laughs> but uh, it was for him just to be able to step back from duties and responsibilities and uh, 
uh, and uh, uh, to I, mean, I think there's also in the sense of uh, being in the West um, the uh, uh, being in a, a building that's the there's insulation and the windows are closed and you don't actually hear much of what's going on. Like if for, for, for a Thai person growing up, uh, even if it's out in the countryside, in the village, you, you hear everything what's going on. You know what your neighbors are doing. Everything's open. Uh, you, you, there's no such thing as privacy. That's... Uh, uh, it doesn't uh, it doesn't really exist in in a Thai culture. So for him to have his own room, be able to close the door, uh, windows are closed. You know, wow, this is great. <laughs> so you know, when we think of nature, it's it's it's, it's uh, uh, sort of it's it's how we experience it as well. How we what we what we do with it, what we. Uh, our um, our response to it also, so that that reflecting, considering. But I think one of the main things uh, when we think of the um, the teachings of the Buddha is in order for um, nature to um, have a have an effect on us, uh, we actually have to be mindful. Uh, and uh, and then whatever the circumstance that we're in can then be a, a, a source of, of of insight or reflection or or even if it's something that's very difficult, we can still use it as a means of um, mindfully applying attention so that we can draw um, uh, those experiences into the heart. And um, that's a, uh, um, it's a it's a definition of mindfulness that uh, I particularly appreciate. There's a, a senior Thai monk who, uh, when he uh, defined mindfulness, he, he said that function of nature that draws. Uh, takes the experiences of the senses and draws it into the heart. Uh, that's the. So it's a it's it's a natural function in nature, uh, but we do have to pay attention to it and to draw those experiences into the heart, to really absorb them, understand them, reflect on them, um, and uh, that. That attentiveness uh, to the to the world around us. When we um, say read the teachings of the Buddha, um, you recognize that yeah, the Buddha was attuned to the to the world around him. Um, one of the say one of the most Successful teachings of the Buddha, in that he, uh, when he, uh, he gave a, a, a teaching to um, a thousand ascetics, uh, wandering ascetics from 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 different different sect, and they were all fully enlightened at the end of the talk. 
It was a very successful talk. <laughs> but it was using the, it's called the fire sermon, and it's the using the simile of fire, and that the world is on fire. And what is it, what is it on fire with? It's on fire with greed. It's on fire with hatred. It's on fire with, with delusion. And going through the, uh, the sense bases, I mean, you know, the, uh, not just the world, the, uh, ourselves, the eye is on fire, ear, the, all of the apparatus. Um, and so this using that, that, that image of, 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 of fire as something um, in nature that we, you know, there's a certain element of danger and uh, to wake us up and say, yeah, this is when, when we're not attentive, when we do follow our, our, our habits of greed, hatred, and delusion, we burn ourselves, we burn others. So that, it's a, there's a, a motivation. But it's that uh, attentiveness to, to uh, uh, just those forces of nature. And, uh, you know, many, many of the similes that the, that the Buddha used were were grounded in in that that uh, uh, paying attention to the uh, to the world around, and uh, uh, as opposed to sometimes we you know we think of the say the Buddha as some distant uh, religious figure, and uh, uh, and. Buddhism can end up being highly uh, philosophical or or uh, abstract, and when we you know, we go back and look at the, the discourses, you realize well, the Buddha wasn't abstract at all. He was drawing uh, attention back into uh, experience, and and he was paying attention to the to the world around. Um, one of the images that that uh, uh, I particularly like is the, he he gives the, the the image of a so that's the the practice is like like a uh, or the results of the practice are like a a carpenter's uh, hammer in that uh, a carpenter uses the hammer over time. And and over a long period of time, that carp that that hammer gets the mark of that the hand on it. It wears the handle becomes having having the imprint of the of the hand, and it's worn away over time until there's it's very clearly visible that there's this this handprint there. And the Buddha said it's the same way with 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 practice and training. Uh, we, there's no sort of immediate uh, breakthrough of of uh, th- freeing oneself from from our our obstructions and defilements. So it's a gradual wearing away, and you don't really know. Uh, one day I wore I wore out my defilements this much, and 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 tomorrow, that day I wore them out so much. It's just—it's a gradual process that the 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 results appear over time, and again, it's just—it's a—it's a natural image, and it's a—it's the and it really is a line. It really is how it works. Uh, in our, you really 
when you think back and say, um, and, and many people here have been practicing for for a long time, and uh, think, well, yeah, there's been a change that's taken place, but um, you know, when did that change? What day did that take place? And what happened? It isn't, it isn't that way. It's a, it's a, it is this gradual process, and it's that commitment to. Uh, to training and a commitment to virtue, commitment to uh, uh, to, to good, the, the fundamental goodness, goodness, generosity, kindness. Uh, these are very uh, uh, universal qualities uh, that that wear away uh, that which is, is an obstruction for us. Um, the Buddha also one of the images that that uh, uh, comes comes to mind uh, that I particularly like is the uh, the image the Buddha talks of different animals and uh, he said if you take uh, you know each animal has their own territory or their own uh, abiding and uh, say like a Dog lives in a village, and jackal lives in a char- charnel ground, snake lives in a termite mound, a bird is in the air, a, a, uh, a monkey lives in the forest, and the, the, uh, there's a, a, a crocodile lives in the water. And, uh, and they all want to be in their own homes, abiding places. It says, but if you take those six different animals, and you tie them together, and then you, and then you let them go, then they're going to struggle <coughs> and against each other uh, until the the strongest one pulls all the others uh, to its own abiding place. And uh, they said it's uh, and it's similar to our six senses. The eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind. Uh, it's usually they're, they're fighting against each other. Uh, and it's whichever is dominant, sort of attention is drawn to that. And we, we end up sort of paying attention to that or getting involved in that. <coughs> and he said, but if you take those, those six animals and you, you place a solid post, sink it deep in the ground, and then you tie the, the animals to that different post, uh, or the, the, those different animals to this post, uh, then they're going to stay close to that post. Uh, and the post is going to be the, the, uh, the, the place, the anchor, the root. Uh, and then they'll, they'll actually get tired of, of struggling against that, and they'll settle down around that post. And the Buddha said, in the same way for us as human beings, we put in the post of mindfulness, put in that post of of awareness. And uh, our senses are are related with that firm anchor of our our awareness. And we can start everything that our experiences can then be related to that mindfulness and, and, and clarity. Uh, our attention, and, and we've got a 
we've got a focus, we've got an anchor uh, with our, our experience. And then we can start to use that mindfulness, of course, to uh, develop uh, the contemplation and re- recollection or reflection. What is it that's skillful? What is it that's beneficial? What's going to lead to, to well-being and happiness? What is it that's going to allow me to relinquish the, uh, the things that are, are obstructive? So that, that cultivation of, uh, of mindfulness is a is a both the attention that we pay to the external world, but then how we draw it back in to the heart is is, uh, is an essential part of of, of practice and training, <clears throat> and it's this uh, these these paying attention to uh, to nature. Um, I think also when what comes to mind thinking of the of the Buddha when he speaks of of nature <clears throat> you see the uh, you see sometimes coming through that because the the discourses are you know it's they're 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 collected twenty five hundred years ago in a different language and um they were it was an oral tradition, so that when you read them, they, they feel pretty stilted sometimes. But uh, there's some occasions where one <coughs> gets a glimpse of the of the uh, the Buddha being, you know, having a, uh, a sense of humor or a, a kind of uh, teasing people or 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 pointing the irony of something, having a, a, a kind of a lightness. And, and then one of the images that the, that the Buddha gives, he's teaching them, uh, the monks, and, and uh, um, it's, it's kind of a, a stern teaching to the monks. Um, and uh, you know, saying, you know, you really have to live like monastics. You have to train, you have to, uh, and you can't just muck around. Um, and, and if it's uh, if you if you do it in a half-hearted way, um, it isn't as if you can you can you can pull the wool over anybody's eyes. And and uh, he said it's like a um, a donkey uh, uh, believing itself to be a cow. And it sort of goes around, and it's sort of it's like a. Uh, is, he thinks it's a cow, and it tries eats the follows the cows around, and it eats the grass like the cows, and it um, keeps with the herd of cows. And, but as soon as it opens its mouth, it's, it's still a donkey. <laughs> and said, it's you know it's the same as you know, you, you you might try to try to tell people you're a monk or tell people you're. A, you're you're really practicing, but as you know, soon as you open your mouth, <laughs> and you haven't been practicing properly, <laughs> uh, it shows. Everybody knows. <laughs> so they uh, <laughs> great uh, great image. There's another image where the Buddha is, is uh, again admonishing the monks about uh, be, be be to be beware of <clears throat> um, gain honors and fame in the sense of 
uh, either seeking requisites or or seeking recognition or trying to have a following, trying to um, get the, the the sort of the the nicest requisites, and, and uh, he said a monk who 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 lives like that and and uh, tries to. Get, gets lost in gain, honor, and fame. It's just like a, it's like a dung beetle. It's a dung beetle, um, getting on top of his his big, t- finding a nice big fresh pile of dung, and and then getting up on top of it and sort of, I'm a dung beetle, and I've got the biggest pile of dung, you know. <laughs> you know it's, is the Buddha? It's an image in nature, and it, there's some absurdity to it that just is is quite wonderful to to, to recognize. In the uh, <clears throat> the tradition that I train in and have trained in with, with uh, Thai forest tradition, Ajahn Chah. Um, I think one of the things that that uh, really attracted me to it was the, the kind of simplicity and the really down-to-earth nature of the the teaching, the lifestyle, the examples of the of the teachers. And uh, you know, Ajahn Chah was a, a wonderful exemplar of, of somebody who um, lived uh, in nature and, and, and but paid attention to it and used it uh, both in his own practice uh, as well as as uh, 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 to to teach others. Um, he re- uh, he relates in his uh, one time in his early practice when he was um, you know, really struggling with the practice and, and putting forth a lot of effort, living on his own uh, out, in the, out in the forest. And uh, um, in those days, uh, there was, uh, and this is particular when he was doing a lot of his his forest practice and, and solitary practice. It was after the Second World War when there was um, um, there just wasn't, I mean the northeast of Thailand has always been poor but uh, after the after the war then, then there just wasn't much of anything so um, medicines and robes and, and even food were not that that readily available, and uh, um, he had uh, he was sort of another bout of malaria comes on, and he's out in the forest by himself, and uh, he kept um, um, he, was, he felt he was getting sicker and sicker, and there was a point where he thought, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And and he's con- con- he started to contemplate 
yeah, if I, I, if I think what I should do is is burn my my monk's identity card because if they they find a, a uh, find me out here, I'm I'm a long way from home. Uh, this is going to uh, uh, going to be a big problem for my for my family. So I think I might just just do that. And so it was, this, it was at that point of, of of real kind of difficulty and despair. And uh, and then he was laying there, sort of with fever and really worn out. <coughs> and then <coughs> then he heard a heard a barking deer which is uh, a kind of small deer, <clears throat> a little bit smaller than, than, uh, than uh, uh, say, the deer here in California. And uh, um, they're a very beautiful animal. And they have a distinctive bark, and obviously. It's a, it has a distinctive call. Uh, and anyway, he heard that, uh, that barking deer. And he started thinking, Wait a minute, the barking deer. They've been out in this forest for who knows how long. Like, they're just part of nature. And they've been here, and they've been, um, they're going to be barking deer into the future. Um, Why am I, why am I worried? I mean, they, barking deer don't have hospitals to go to. Barking deer don't have, you know, go to have to go see doctors, and they manage to make out okay. And so then, you know, sort of that contemplation around and it's part of nature, and and uh, um, yeah, yeah, I'll be okay. It'll be it, whatever it'll be. It'll be what it'll be, and. Uh, so that, that, that gave him a, a real sort of kind of shot in the arm, an, an inspiration to, okay, I can, I can deal with this. I can put up with this. I can be with it. Uh, so that, uh, and this was in his, you know, while he was uh, still practicing and, and still putting forth effort in, it, in his practice, you know, depending on, on, on the nature around him. And Ajahn Chah, similarly, was very, very observant. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes, I mean, it's like really observant. So that he said, um, he said, you know, sometimes people say that uh, uh, I, I can read their minds and, and, uh, and I've got all these powers. He says, Man, it's, not, it's not true. All you have to do is pay attention. Somebody... See how somebody somebody walks in, how they how they hold themselves, how they do things. They're telling you everything about their their, their personality and their temperament already. Says, "What would I want to want to know their 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 minds for anyway?" Says, "I get." I got enough to deal with looking at my own mind. I don't have to be looking at somebody else's. <laughs> so they, uh, but the he was you know he was just tremendously observant, so that he and he really understood human nature. And he could 
use the things around him. I remember the very first teaching that I uh, heard of Ajahn Chah's, or, or I actually read it. It was just a handwritten, there's a couple um, things that somebody had written down. It was before I even went to to Ajahn Chah's monastery. I was staying at a uh, at a monastery on the outskirts of Bangkok. And um, somebody had written down the, the, this teaching that Ajahn Chah had given where uh, somebody went uh, to visit Ajahn Chah and had asked them, <coughs> uh, now what's the... Kind of a, again, in a kind of a, a philosophical or kind of making this deep question. Um, you know, what's the heart of Buddhism? What's the heart of the essence of the Buddha's teachings? And Ajahn Chah just sort of laughed, and he picked up something beside him, and sort of like this, and just sort of, is this a big stick or a little stick? And the person sort of <laughs> looked at him and said, know what? And he's asking, well, you know, what's the, I want to know about the essence of the Buddhist teachings. And he's like, he's like, is this a big stick or a little stick? And he's like, I don't understand. What, what do you, why, why are you, what's that got to do with my question? And Ajahn Chah said, he said, well, it's like this. If you wanted to pick your teeth, you'd say that this was a big stick. And if you wanted to build a house, you'd say that this was a little stick. And, so that's, and that's how we, we, we go through our lives. And we don't really actually see things as they are. We see them according to our desires and preferences and attachments. And we don't ever really... And, and that's where our suffering is. The suffering is in, in, in not being able to just see things as they are. The suffering is in... The, the desire overriding uh, everything else. Uh, and when that desire or, or overrides everything else, uh, then we're discontent, dissatisfied, and uh, there's this fundamental dis-ease uh, within us. He said, but we, we don't have to be like that. Uh, we've got the Buddha's teaching is there to, to give us the tools to not be trapped by the, 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 that habit, that tendency of, of desire, and so that the the uh, uh, that the middle way that the Buddha taught that that path of practice of of virtue of meditation of wisdom of discernment uh, that is the way that we can uh, find a way of a balance. Um, there's another time Ajahn Chah said uh, um, again thinking of the middle way uh, he said you don't have to know a whole lot to understand Buddhism uh, or to practice Buddhism you don't need and said sometimes people know too much um, like if you've got, um, you don't need a, 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 and he actually says, you don't need a, need a PhD to, to figure Buddhism out. 
He said, sometimes that's, yeah, that's too much. He said, it's like when you have a mango tree and you want, you want the mango fruits, um, you've, the way that, that in, in Thailand, how you, how you pick mangoes is you've got a little rattan basket about, about this big uh, with, a, with a hole in it, and it's on the end of a, of a bamboo pole. And then you, you just go up and you hook the fruits, and they go into the basket, you bring them down, you hook the fruits. He says, but, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if your bamboo pole is too short, then you, can't reach the, you can't reach the fruits. But if it's too long, you're, you're overshooting it. So it's just like the middle way of practice. This, and you don't need too much knowledge. You don't need to have all the, the intellectual, philosophical categories of, of Buddhism down. You just have to be balanced in learning how to live with virtue, with um, awareness, and with discernment. These are the, you know, finding that balance, learning how to live uh, in, a, in a skillful way. And this is the that's how we, we, we fulfill the, the path of, uh, of the Buddhas. And it's a, it's a good image because it's, you know, the, again, the, uh, the middle way can be, be talked about in, in very f- philosophically precise terms, but it's, it's really the, that balance that allows one to, to gather the fruit. And uh, it's, it's just just being attentive to the to the to the world around us an image that Ajahn Chah used that uh, uh, made a, a big impression on me because it was um, when I went to live with Ajahn Chah um, I didn't uh, understand uh, Thai, and um, and then he didn't know any uh, any any English. He didn't speak in English, uh, so that uh, we either had we had to wait for somebody to translate, and uh, and sometimes it happened, sometimes it didn't, uh, and so but. but highly motivated to learn the Thai language. I remember one of the, uh, a talk that Ajahn Chah gave, and I really, I, I picked up about half of it, and I was so happy, because uh, it was, you know, finally the, the Thai language is, is starting to come together. And, and uh, But one of the images that, that Ajahn Chah used, that, Oh God! I, oh, I understand the the image that he used, and uh, but it was he said it's uh, like a he said he said no this is I learned a lot from from sitting in my 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 in my dwelling place and watching a spider. The spider taught me, and he said I watched that spider make its web. And then it would sit right in the middle. And then whenever any little fly or insect would come and, and, and touch its, uh, its web, it would go right out and catch it, bring it right back, wrap it up, and that would be its, its food. 
He said, that's how we have to live. He says, we have our, so if we have our, we have our web of our, the contact with the six senses. And that's our, that's, that's the web that we live in. And we have to have a center, just like the spider stays in the center. We have to have our, our mindfulness and wisdom and stay in the center. And then when <coughs> we, the, the, the senses are contacted, we, we sight, sounds, thoughts, feelings, uh, we have that, that mindfulness of wisdom has to take that, that impression, bring it back into the center again, and then wrap it up in, in uh, the reflections on impermanence, on unsatisfactoriness, on not-self. Wrap it up with the, the, the elements of these, these universal characteristics, and then we can relinquish and let go, and then we can we come to a place of, 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 of freedom from suffering. And so these <coughs> images are not, they're not exotic. They're not, uh, <coughs> <coughs> these images aren't, aren't exotic. They're really ordinary. So these are things that we can be, for ourselves, we're really learning what, What's around us? What's teaching us? Uh, what can we learn from? Uh, what can we uh, be attentive to that will help us to um, live more skillfully, to be more present, to be more uh, to be more say, kind or patient, and all of these 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 qualities. But we can be using the circumstances around us to to support that. <coughs> the, uh, and sometimes uh, in, uh, um, say, like in Buddhist tradition, there's uh, cycles of, of uh, that we can be, uh, cycles of nature that we can be, be attentive to and um, tap into. Um, and I think that, that uh, those are helpful because it's not it's that giving a structure for ourselves so that uh, what I'm thinking of is, is just uh, what was it, the night before last um, I had to leave uh, the retreat and go back to Abhayagiri and uh, because it was a full moon night and um, that is uh, um, uh, an observance uh, night for us at the monastery. And it's uh, particularly, uh, particularly special. It uh, was the uh, observance of the, the, the first uh, uh, teaching of the Buddhas. Uh, as traditionally, it's considered to the full moon uh, of uh, of that, usually it's in July. This year, it's, it's uh, uh, there was an extra month, so it was like just a little bit late. But that uh, that that full moon observance is an opportunity to you know, recollect the teachings, uh, and at the monastery coming together, and and people um, there was many lay people there, 
uh, and uh, um, because the weather is particularly uh, benign during the um, during the summer, especially the summer evenings, and we we did the observance ceremony up on the up in the forest on a, a platform uh, out in the open, and uh, uh, it, was, it was wonderful to be there with the community and the full moon coming up and meditating, chanting. Uh, I gave a talk. Uh, but then there was also a, 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 a circumambulation, uh, which is a, a very simple ceremony, uh, recollecting, going, circumambulating the, the shrine three times, and recollecting the Buddha, recollecting the Dhamma, recollecting the Sangha. So these are, I mean, there's the nature, the natural rhythms of the moon and, and nature, and being out in that, and, but also sharing it with, with others. And I think there's a, uh, uh, there's an importance to ceremony and ritual that is, is uh, I think it's important to find the, the ceremonies and rituals that have uh, help one to remember and recollect um, the importance of of community, of family, of mindfulness, of patience, of kindness, <clears throat> and <clears throat> these are because these are ceremonies and rituals that have been going on for millennia, <clears throat> and one can <clears throat> tap into those. Um, traditionally, or one can be trying to think up things that, that are meaningful for one in one's, one's own life. But I think it's important because <coughs> the, uh, that function of, of ceremony and ritual is to, uh, helps to draw us together and then do something wholesome and skillful uh, together. And the... Uh, um, there's something um, overly kind of rash, uh, rational and utilitarian sometimes in, in uh, um, modern society. And, and I, the, uh, finding these, these uh, rituals and ceremonies that, 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 that are supportive and of course, this has been a, a function of uh, religion in, in in all religions is to to be able to form a container for people to uh, find a place of, of safety and meaning uh, and security in the in the in the in nature that is, in the nature that is sometimes. Um, Sometimes it's benign, and sometimes it's not benign. Sometimes it's it's uh, uh, you know it could be pretty scary with the uh, you know the reality. One of the contemplations that the Buddha encourages encourages us to do continually is, um, you know, I'm of the nature to age. I've not gone beyond aging. 
I'm the nature to sicken. I've not gone beyond sickness. I'm the nature to die. I've not gone beyond dying. And these are contemplations that that uh, um, they're they're not warm and fuzzy, but they're they bring you back to a reality of you know, this is you know, this is a part of nature too, and uh, we have to learn how to to be steady and 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 present uh, and clear uh, within the those realms of nature that that are uh, you know, aren't so um, uh, we don't actually want or they there's a certain fear that's there the uh, yesterday's uh, talk by Betsy is definitely uh, you know, I think very helpful for for, for prodding us to be, be thinking in, in terms of how do we deal with these uh, aspects of, of uh, uh, nature that uh, seem uh, completely out of our control. And uh, uh, I was telling Betsy that uh, um, it's been I've come to I've come to I've come to America. It's about sixteen years now, and I've had less to do with any kind of, say, environmental work or or uh, social issues um, than when I was living in Thailand, and, and uh, it's. Uh, Part of it is Buddhism is so new that it isn't as if I can. I'm just sitting up at a biogiri doing nothing. And, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but uh, there, there is something about the, the, the complexity of the society, and and certainly the say the monastery provides a refuge from that complexity. Um, but. Uh, um, yeah, it's 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 you know it's it's definitely planted seeds for me. Okay, what do I, what can I do? Because when I was in Thailand, the I think part of it is being a a, a Buddhist monk in a monastery, in a Buddhist culture, uh, you're really a, a part of the fabric of society, and you're also um, all of the a, a monastery. Is is a place where all the different elements of society can can come. It's the one place where where all the different elements of society, whether you're you know whether you're poor, you're rich, whether you're educated, not educated, you know whatever, uh, the monastery is the is the place where where everybody can go, and so that uh, it was a natural. Place to be able to talk to people about um, issues of the environment, drawing people in to um, help with um, the uh, um, deforestation, with with uh, right livelihood. And there's many many things that uh, that I was involved with, which was was 
which didn't seem like I was involved because it was it was natural. It was a part of the the uh, um, so I think maybe it's uh, we need more monasteries in the <laughs> get it into the mainstream. <laughs> So, I'm there. Thank you.